Thank you for joining us for the weekend edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Each Friday and Saturday here on In Spirit and Truth, Pastor J.D. shares a Mideast prophecy update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. With every day that passes as we wait for Christ's return, it's easy to get comfortable in this place. And your focus shifts from watching the horizon to all the temporary things of this life. As Pastor J.D. warns in today's message, that's exactly what our enemy wants. Christ's return grows more and more imminent every day. And it's crucial that you're ready and waiting. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on September 1st, 2019. I want to talk to you about what I see as the prophetic trajectory. I choose that word for a reason of where significant developments are heading, the direction in which they are going. Specifically, as it relates to what is happening in the Middle East, but even more specifically, what's happening concerning Israel. Now, I'm going to make a statement, and I should probably preface it, because I am keenly aware that it might come off as being somewhat sensational, but I'm going to also argue the case as to why I truly believe this with all of my heart. I would argue that an attack on Israel, an invasion of Israel, and the subsequent peace agreement with Israel is imminent. What do you mean? Well, we're told in Scripture that there's going to be this alliance of nations, and at the helm of this alliance will be Russia, Iran, and Turkey. And Ezekiel 38, with great detail, tells us that they will come from the north, they're from the Golan, the border with Syria, from the north, and they will invade Israel. We're also told that God Himself will intervene on behalf of His people and deal a devastating and decimating defeat to this invading alliance of nations. In Isaiah 17, we're told that Damascus, Syria will become a ruinous heap and it will be so destroyed as to be uninhabitable. And many believe, present company included, that the Isaiah 17 prophecy, when Damascus is destroyed, that is the trigger, the catalyst 
for Russia, Iran, and Turkey, all of whom, along with the other nations, are at the ready as we speak there in Syria, on the border, ready to attack. Now, this is where it gets a little bit more speculative. I am personally of the belief that after Damascus is destroyed, and Ezekiel 38 is fulfilled, and this invasion is dealt this decimating defeat, that the world will be screaming, begging, pleading, willing to do anything for peace. And it will usher in the Antichrist, and a very detailed prophecy we have in Daniel 9.27, which is that there will be this peace agreement that will last for seven years. You know, it was interesting when we had uh, Dr. Ed Heinsohn here, I had the privilege of spending the afternoon with him, and we were talking about uh, some of these prophecies and the conversation uh, we uh, we had this conversation about Daniel 9.27. He made a very interesting comment. I never thought of this before. He said this, that the Antichrist may not make this peace agreement specifically for seven years. In other words, this peace agreement is just going to be a peace, not a peace agreement, the peace agreement. Finally, we have peace in the Middle East. Uh, Heinsohn's comment was, uh, the Bible says it's only going to last for seven years. They don't necessarily know that. They don't set out at the onset, hey, this is going to be an agreement that we're going to have peace, and, and it's only going to be for seven years. Well, why would they do that? It doesn't make any sense, right? I never thought of that before. So Daniel 9.27, again with specificity, tells us that there's going to be this seven-year peace agreement, and at the midpoint, the three-and-a-half-year mark, the Antichrist will demand to be worshipped as God in the temple, which means that part of this peace deal involves the rebuilding of what we call and refer to as the third temple, which will be the temple during the seven-year tribulation. Now, hang on to that. I want to come back to that, because I think that's the order of that. And if you'll just bear with me and hear me out, I'll start with this Israel Hayom report about Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu making it very clear that Israel will not sit idly by as Iran prepares attacks. You know that Iran is already attacking Israel vis-a-vis Syria, Lebanon, Hezbollah. In the article they quote Netanyahu as saying, if someone comes to kill you, rise up and kill him first. This after Israel thwarted an Iranian attack from the Golan Heights. It's not the first and it certainly won't be the last. He went on to say, any nation 
that allows its territory to be used for attacks on Israel will be held accountable. This is Syria. And this is really a question that many have as to the Isaiah 17.1 prophecy about the destruction of Damascus. Will it come by the hand of Israel? It certainly seems like it could. Last Sunday, the 25th, Netanyahu also vowed not to let Iran establish a permanent foothold in Syria, which was one day after Israel struck Iranian assets near Damascus and thwarted an imminent terrorist attack. That's a quote, by the way. Just yesterday, the Times of Israel reported that U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said that the U.S. had intelligence indicating that an Iranian tanker was heading for Syria despite Tehran giving assurances that its cargo would not go there. The tensions continue to escalate, and that's almost an understatement to say it that way. All of this is taking place with just 16 days as of today. Today is September 1st. In 16 days, Israel goes back to the polls. This because Netanyahu was unable to form a government. First time in the history of Israeli elections. So they have to now have these snap elections and Israelis go back to the polls in 16 days on September the 17th. And all eyes are on what's going to happen when they go back to the polls. Is Netanyahu going to be reelected? And if so, is he going to be able to form a government? Also, all eyes are on President Trump's long-awaited and long-delayed peace plan, dubbed the deal of the century. According to Ynet News, two days after Trump said the long-delayed proposal could be published ahead of the Israeli vote, his Mideast special envoy, Jason Greenblatt, said that the United States will not be releasing any or all of its plan for Middle East peace before the September 17 elections in Israel. Add to that this breaking Israel news report on Thursday about Prime Minister Netanyahu's move to make a pro-Third Temple politician a top official. I don't know if you know this or not, but you can talk with virtually any Jew in Israel today, and the number one thing they will say is, we need our temple. They'll do everything in order to have their temple rebuilt in Jerusalem, there on the Temple Mount. Here again, you have Ezekiel 38, you have Isaiah 17, 
and you have Daniel 9.27. And I would suggest to you, and I truly believe this with all my heart, that those three prophecies, specifically, there are others, are on the cusp of being fulfilled. And you know what's exciting? Exciting if you're a believer, terrifying if you're not, is that the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ likely will happen prior. If not prior, it could be simultaneously with this sudden destruction that comes upon them, not us. We who are alive and remain will be caught up, raptured up, prior to. And then God will shift all His attention to the Jew. Because that's the purpose of the tribulation. It's for the salvation of the Jewish nation. And once the bride is out of the way, once the church has been removed, the Antichrist will be revealed. And I'll say it this way, and you'll forgive me, but all hell will literally break loose. Because at that time, the restrainer has been removed. The restrainer has been removed. And now it's like, hey, they're, they're gone. Now we can do what we always wanted to do. And they will. In my time with the Lord this last week, He directed my heart to 1 Peter chapter 4, really the whole chapter, specifically verses 7 and 8, but more so verse 7. Listen to what Peter writes. He says, the end of all things is near. Oh, come on. We've been hearing that for how long now? I mean, come on, Pastor. <laughs> You've been telling us that it's imminent, that we're so close for years now. I know. And I'm going to keep telling you. Why? Because. It's nearer now. Our salvation is nearer now, Paul writing to the Romans, than it was when we first believed. The end of all things is near. Now listen to what Peter says that we're to do about it. He says, therefore, be alert, stay awake, and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Let me read that again. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind. Why? So that you may pray. Dare I say, that if there was ever a day to be alert and pray, it is now. This is why I find myself almost pleading with you to come to our prayer meeting on Tuesday night. Can I just ask you, just very sincerely, will you 
on Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. Come to our prayer meeting. Over the last couple of weeks, it has been so intense and so heavy on my heart, and I have sensed that we need to pray. Why? Because of what's coming. What's coming? The end is coming. I don't want to come to the end of my life should my death precede the rapture and have any regrets before the Lord when I'm giving an account. I, I, I don't want there to be any regret that I did not pray with you as a church family. Because it's the most powerful thing we have. It's so powerful that Daniel, who was a man of prayer, had the forces of hell come against him to keep him from praying. Everything was thrown at him to keep him from praying because Daniel had a powerful prayer life. Even when he was promoted and exalted and given this high position, many responsibilities, very busy, he still was a man of prayer. And it shook the powers of darkness so much so that the demons would possess these men to get the king to issue an edict that if anybody prays for 30 days, they are to be thrown in the lion's den and put to death. Can I say this this way? I want this church, I want us as a church to make the demons in hell tremble because we pray. This is not hyperbole. Please listen to me. I I want on Tuesday night, and and I I promise you, I promise you, something's going to happen on Tuesday morning or Tuesday afternoon at work, at home, to keep you from coming. I want the demons in hell to be shaken because we as a church are going to be praying on Tuesday night. I want them to tremble. Oh no! Pastor J.D.'s yelling at him to pray. And we don't want them to pray because if they pray, God moves and we lose. So we can't have them praying. I promise you. I promise you. I, I, I'm not trying to predict or, you know, put any, you know... <laughs> But I promise you, if you're planning to come to Tuesday night's prayer meeting, something's going to happen Tuesday. The enemy will do everything he can to keep you from coming. You know, what's interesting is when uh, Daniel is praying, uh, the angel comes to his rescue, but is delayed because he was wrestling and fighting with the powers of darkness and could not come and answer Daniel's prayer sooner. They did everything 
they could to keep Daniel from praying because when Daniel prayed, God moved. I, I want us to be like that. Do you want to be like that? Do you want to, do you want to be the kind of Christian, the kind of church that when you pray, Satan calls an emergency demon meeting? What happened? They're praying again. Did, I, I told you to get them to stop doing that. I know, but I, I can't. This pastor's spitting on everybody in the front row and yelling at everybody and telling them to pray. I have permission to share this. I, so this morning, we have a, by the way, we have a prayer meeting every Sunday morning, 7.45 to 8.15. We have a prayer meeting here. So this morning, I, I walk out, and I notice this guy standing in the back. And I said, hey, brother, how are you doing? Are you here for our prayer meeting? He says, absolutely. So I wanted to introduce myself to him. He's sitting right here with his wife, Jane. This is Edward and Jane, good friends with Gary and Amelia. So I introduce myself, and he starts to tell me about 2015, right? He's in Queens Hospital. I actually had to write it down. This is unbelievable. He was intubated, septic, pneumonia in both lungs, pancreatitis, and I think more even than that. And he says he remembers the doctor saying, there's nothing more we can do. And he had pretty much resigned himself to, I guess this is it, and the Lord's going to take me, and I'm ready, and this is how it ends. And then his wife said, not so fast. It's a good thing when the wife <laughs> wants you around a little bit longer, yeah? So she has Amelia get a prayer request to us. This is when we're at the uh, SDA church in the old uh, building, 2015. So on a Sunday morning, we prayed as a church for our brother Edward. He's sitting right there, a miracle because of prayer. They live in Orange County. They're here visiting on the islands. Four years ago, we, we, we probably at that time, you thought, oh, pastor's got to pray for somebody before we get to the teaching. This is going to be a long sermon anyway. But I'm sorry. Come on. Let's be honest. Can't we just get, get to it? No, we need to pray. Eh, I don't know. Am I just, am I, uh, is it just me? We need to pray. Can I go back to the Colossians teaching just real quick? Don't look at your watches. Just give me a, mi a minute. You know, some of your marriages need to pray. Your families, you need to pray. That's, that's it? Yeah. You need to pray. That's the problem? Yeah, that's the problem. You need to pray. You don't think God's not going to hear or answer your prayer? You know how we as parents, when our ears are tuned to the cry of our children, I, I remember when our boys were little, I could not stand it when they cried. Are you ready? If not, you need to be ready, because our redemption draws nigh. This is what Jesus said about seeing these prophecies begin to come to pass in Luke chapter 21, verse 28. 
This verse speaks directly to the heart of the prophecy update that Pastor J.D. shares each Friday and Saturday here on In Spirit and Truth. The goal for each prophecy update is twofold. First, to equip you with information you need to live in these exciting last days. Second, to encourage you in your faith in the Creator of the universe. Every word in the Holy Bible is 100% true. We're seeing that fact being proven each and every day. We pray that you have been both blessed and challenged by today's Prophecy Update. And we do hope you join us again for tomorrow's conclusion to this Prophecy Update from Pastor J.D. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning of today's broadcast, you can become a Facebook friend with us by logging on to www.inspiritandtruthradio.com. We've provided a link to our Facebook page. Another great option to stay current with Pastor J.D.'s Prophecy Updates is to subscribe to the Aloha Bible Prophecy Update YouTube channel. The Prophecy Update YouTube channel has all the current updates that Pastor J.D. has shared as well as an archive of past updates. Again, log on to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and follow the link to the Prophecy Update YouTube channel. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Please join us tomorrow as Pastor J.D. concludes this Prophecy Update. That's next time on In Spirit and Truth.